Glad you all are here tonight. Didn't know who all would show up. It's already the holidays have started and folks are already kind of going different places. Glad you're with us tonight. And we continue to talk about finding God in movie lines, which may sound a little bit odd, but there is a lot of God to find in movie lines. And I hope and pray that when you watch whatever secular thing you're watching, you say, wow, I see God and whatever that is. So tonight, you have probably already seen the title tonight. The one we're, we're dealing with tonight is You Can't Handle the Truth. And some of you know that line. You have seen the movie. You know what I'm talking about. I don't endorse all the movies. Remember that. Or in all the language in every movie or anything else. But you may know this line. You can't handle the truth. I'm going to tell you a few things that are truths tonight that you may not know and you may not like. So get ready. Peanuts are not nuts. They're legumes. That's one. Even though they call it a peanut, it is not a nut. A palm tree is a plant, not a tree. And Subway foot-long sandwiches are only 11 inches long. I think we should all demand our money back. Not only for that, but I don't know if you said they're changed. I guess they've changed the bread because they declared in England that it wasn't real bread. I mean, I don't know how you do that. But they, they did, and that the tuna didn't have any tuna in it or something like that. And all those things supposedly have been fixed. But those are truths. Well, that comes from the idea, the line, you can't handle the truth from the movie, A Few Good Men. came out in December of 1992. Some of you think that's probably a recent movie, but it's been out a long time, and you are just old. And so others of you realize that it has been a long time. That line or that movie is about two Marines that are being court-martialed. And the line comes from Jack Nicholson, and boy, does he play a strong character in this movie. I mean, he, he almost doesn't even look like a man to me. He almost looks like he is, is like a, a, a bulldog or a, a mean, vicious animal in it. But he says that line to Tom Cruise, you can't handle the truth. Incidentally, that line was one he made up. He ad-libbed right there on the, on the spot. Became one of the most famous lines in all of, of, of Hollywood. And so we're not, tonight, and as always, we're not talking about the movie. We're talking more about finding God in a statement like, you can't handle the truth. And we go back to the time of Jesus, and you remember Jesus in front of Pilate, and Pilate wondered about the truth. Pilate was wondering about what truth was. You may remember that as Jesus was taken in to, to have his time in front of Pilate, and, who was the, the governor of the time, the Roman governor, that Pilate's trying to figure out what Jesus is all about and who Jesus is. And as you've heard me say before, people from the area of the world where Pilate was from certainly didn't worship people or, or didn't worship things like God, like Yahweh, like we know. But instead, people from his region, and assuming that he may have been like people from his region, worshipped things like woodpeckers and groves of trees. That's kind of odd. And now Jesus is standing in front of him on trial in front of someone who worships a clump of trees or a woodpecker. Doesn't even sound right, does it? But there Jesus is, and Pilate is wondering about truth. And so in John 8, verses 37... And 38, as they're going through kind of this cross-examination, Pilate says, you are a king then. And Jesus answered, 
You say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him. You know, Pilate almost sounds like he could be a modern-day politician, doesn't he? What is truth? What is, is, right? All those things that have been asked in the last several years. But this is what is so incredible. As Pilate is asking these questions of Jesus, this is what's ironic in the whole thing, is that Pilate was speaking to truth with a capital T. So when he says, what is truth? He doesn't even realize he is literally looking at truth in the face. You know what Jesus said in John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So when Pilate's trying to figure out, well, what is the truth? Obviously, he would be thinking, you know, what are truthful things? What are truthful concepts? What are truthful principles? What is a, a truthful foundation? And Jesus had said, although Pilate doesn't know it, I am the truth. And so this whole moment is ironic as Pilate, who doesn't know anything about God and really doesn't know anything about truth and foundational truths about God, it appears, is, is right in front of it. Which it also makes me wonder another question. Why wouldn't everyone want truth? Because I'm pretty confident there are a whole lot of people in the world that don't want truth. Sometimes I don't want truth. And it's not that we need to know all truth. I mean, we don't need to watch all those gossip shows about who in Hollywood did what or whatever. That's not things we necessarily need to know most of the time. There may be some occasion we need to know something, but there are a lot of things we don't need to know. But I think about what Jesus said in John 8 as well in verse 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Not just the statements that Jesus says that are accurate will set you free, but Jesus, the truth, will set you free. It is Jesus, the, the judge, that sets you free. There's so much irony in what he says as he talks about truth. But why wouldn't everyone want truth? Well, I think that's partially because truth requires an honest evaluation of myself. Whenever I deal with the truth and talking about truth in the way I act or who I am, then I'm going to have to stop and think a little bit about who I am. And sometimes I don't want to know who I am because it may dig, that may, may bring up old memories from the past that I don't want to deal with or, or things that have happened that I don't want to think about, and so therefore I don't want truth. Now, sometimes we could talk about that in the psychological realm, but when we talk about this in a religious realm, I'm pretty sure there are people that just spiritually speaking do not want to know truth. Just let me do it the way I've always done it and leave me alone. I don't want to know why we do this. I don't want to know why we do that. I don't know why maybe what we do isn't right or why it is right, whatever you'd come out with. I don't want to examine it because it may hurt 
And because I would have to go through a spiritual evaluation of myself, determining who I am, and maybe that would lead us to a question about who are my parents or who are the people I trust or who are my kids, my spouse, my parents, whoever it may be. And so we just try to act like it's not there. But that's not what God called us to be. God called us to be truth seekers. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, the Apostle Paul says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself in sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. There's some powerful verse, words here. First of all, don't get too proud of yourself. Don't decide that you know all the truth and there's no reason to study anymore because there is still truth to, uh, to discover and uncover. And along with that, don't forget that as you uncover that truth that may even hurt spiritually, there's grace in all of this. For by the grace given to me, I say this, and then that grace is also given to us. Truth can hurt because it may require change. It may mean that I've got to look at myself in the mirror and make a change. You know, often, uh, and I've done hundreds of Bible studies with people, and there are questions that, that I go through kind of in the Bible study I use with folks. And one of the questions we always get to whenever we talk about truth and we talk about doing what God wants and what God's will is, then we'll ask this question. Will, you, will your priest judge you? And they say no. Will your pastor judge you? Will your elders judge you? No. All the way through. Will your parents judge you? No. Will your children? You go through all the people who, whatever religious affiliation they are, and, and, and family members, will they judge you? No. Who will judge you in the end? God. And then we can't understand when people don't want to change. Well, they just need to come over to the truth. What would I do if someone asked me that question? And what I'm saying is, am I sincere enough and honest enough to look at the scripture and if it said to do something different than what I'm doing, would I change? Well, I have it all right. Do I? I've got to be willing to open up scripture and, and read scripture and believe scripture to the point that it is not my will, it is not my parents' will, it is not my congregation's will, anybody else's, but I am willing to do what it says because it comes from God, not because it comes from someone else. And so it's an easy question for me to ask other people to make that change, even though that change may cost them a lot. But whenever I start thinking about myself and what it would mean to me, stakes are pretty high. Now, what I pray is, is what I'm doing is right, but I will tell you this, every day that I study the Bible, I go through this, will I be willing to change if I'm wrong? And that's what an honest person and an honest congregation does. It says, if I'm wrong, I will change. If I see it in Scripture, I will change. I am not holding on to the past. I am not holding on to what I was taught. I am holding on to what, what the will of God is and the Word of God is. Now, some of you might say, are you about to 
come up with some crazy thing you want us to do? No, not at all. This is just a sermon. This is just back to the movie line, okay? That I have to be honest with Scripture. I cannot just go through life floating along and acting like everybody else needs to be honest with change, but not me. I've got to be honest with Scripture. Sometimes it could benefit me, and sometimes it could not benefit what I want, but it would be what God wants. So we can be truthful with a person and be wrong. We can share our faith with a person. We can have a Bible study with a person and be wrong. And you say, well, how would you be wrong? Well, in the way we present it. Poorly presented truth creates enemies. Whenever we don't treat people the way we should when we present truth. doesn't mean I'm going back on the truth. It doesn't mean I don't believe the truth. It doesn't believe, mean that I don't believe it's inspired word of God. But I've got to be honest with Scripture and present in a way that people hear what I have to say. That they hear the Scripture more than they hear my voice. Some of you have heard me say this before, and it's scared people a few times, but there have been times that I've said, I don't, in, in my class on Wednesday night, I don't like this scripture. And so, well, what do you mean? You don't like scripture? You don't like what God said? No, and that's not it. I love God, but there are times I don't like what he says because what that requires is me to change, and I don't want to change. Now, in truth, I do love it because it's his word, but there's a part of me that doesn't like it because what it means is I've got to morph somehow to be more like Jesus. So love makes truth palatable. In Ephesians chapter 4, and if we had time to read all of this chapter, it'd be really good, but we don't. In Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16, he says, Paul says, instead of speaking the, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Now in context of what he's talking about there, he's talking about how the Ephesian church is kind of going from here to there and, and doesn't really know what to believe and they're kind of like the wind and this teaching comes and that teaching comes. But he says this is what we have to do, Christians, is we have to speak the truth in love and when we speak it in love, then the church grows, then, then individuals grow. And so always, whenever I share my faith with someone, it needs to be out of love. And if someone is to be corrected, so to speak, or someone is maybe going down the wrong road, a fellow Christian, then it should always be in love. It's not to prove I'm right. It's not to show that I'm better than they are. It's not to show I'm holier than they are. Than they are. It's out of love because I want them to know Jesus and I want them to be with Jesus. So not only love, but something closely connected, gentleness is a must. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, in this whole passage, it would be great too, but we're moving along because you have supper to eat. It says in Galatians 6, 1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Now you may remember what comes at the end of chapter 5 just before this verse and what it is, is it, it is listing the fruit of the Spirit about love 
and peace and patience and kindness and all those beautiful things that make up the fruit of the Spirit. And it says, so when a person is in sin, use your fruit of the Spirit to go to them and help restore them, but don't do it in a way that you're, you're kicking, kicking them in the backside, but restore them gently and restore them in a way that brings them to Christ. Now, there are a few reasons for that. One thing that happens whenever I do that is I'm restoring them because the truth, because I'm coming with the truth, not with something to make them mad. It may make them angry, but I'm coming with the truth. But at the end of this, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Tempted maybe to fall into their sin, but even more so, maybe I will even be tempted to sin in the way that I try to restore a brother or sister. Sometimes whenever we go to the restore the brother or sister and lift someone up, our methodology is against God. Even though we may have the truth, we are not presenting the truth like God would want it to be presented. So the line, the question tonight is, can I handle the truth. It's been interesting over the last few years, a lot of things have been written about truth. And even, I don't know if, if you've heard this phrase or not, but a phrase that's used often about the generation that we live in right now, the era we live in, is called the post-truth era. Post-truth. That doesn't even sound right, does it? In 2006, the the uh, Merriam-Webster Word of the Year, they have a new Word of the Year every year. It's always fun to see what it is, and lots of words come out, and they're not really words, but finally there will be a few that they accept and bring into the, to the dictionary. 2006, the number one word they brought in was truthiness. Truthiness. It's kind of true, but it's not totally true. In 2018, Time Magazine, on the front cover of Time Magazine, the lead article was, is truth dead? Wow, that's kind of weird. And you understand that this is not, this is happening, happening culturally, right? And this is not just happening in the United States, but this, this is a, a Western world and maybe even an Eastern world phenomena that's happening that really people aren't so interested in, in absolute truth. They're interested in their own truth. And so the phrase is used, well, what's true to you is not true to me. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth. I am not your truth, and I'm not your truth. I'm not somebody else's truth. I am the truth. And there are lots of things that can be your truth or my truth. We can decide pumpkin pie or pecan pie. And the end, we can both go to heaven and we don't have to agree on that big question. That can be your truth. That can be my truth. But we do have to agree on Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Can I handle the truth? Well, I pray you can, and I pray the people that are watching can, and that we put God first, that we will come to Jesus, that we'll be baptized into Christ and put Christ on and have the truth with us all the time. And I also pray that if you need prayers, that you'll let us know you need prayers, either through writing it to us at elders at mcoc.org 
for coming forward tonight. Come as we stand and sing.